0: everybody, my name is Patrick and welcome to Kensington Online. We're so glad you decided to tune in today. Uh, Today we're wrapping up a series called The Heart of Christmas. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is peeling back the layers of Christmas to find what Christmas is actually all about. Like me, I bet you have found yourself in the chaos and the gifts and having your in-laws over to your house. What does all that look like? Uh, But we wanted to peel back all those layers and get to the heart of what Christmas was actually about. And so today we're continuing that series, wrapping it up uh, before we go into our Christmas services that are coming at the end of the week. Now, if you're planning on attending one of our services in Traverse City, we want to let you know we have services Saturday night at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock p.m., then on Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m., and then we have a special 11 p.m. service uh, that night as well. So we would love to invite you to one of those services live. Well, I think we're about to get started. We have a cold play open today, so we know that you're going to enjoy it, and we'll be right back in a few minutes.
1: Because you're a sky, because you're a sky. Was
0: Welcome to Kensington. How are we feeling this morning? Feeling pretty good? Yeah. Anybody had eggnog yet this morning? Anybody? No? No, not yet. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And this is the week of Christmas, people. How many of you already finished your shopping? Anybody done? You got everything done? How many of you haven't started yet? Sinners. Just kidding, right? Me too. Hey, we're so glad that you're here, and we hope that you are excited about Christmas. We're pretty excited about it around here. Now, I got a couple of announcements for you before we jump into everything today, so I'd love you to go ahead and pull out this card. When you came in, we gave you uh, a card just to kind of give you all of the announcements that we have going on, and I just wanted to highlight uh, just a few of those before we move forward together. Uh, The first thing I wanted to let you know is when you came in, uh, you got one of these cards, uh, but over the last few weeks, we've also been giving out these year in giving books, and what these books are Are as they are really just kind of an outline of what we do, both locally but globally, all around the world. Kensington has 11 global partnerships where we reach out to just over half a million people uh, globally, and so we want to give you that information. So if you didn't get one of those last week or today, uh, just raise your hand, kind of let an usher know, and uh, and we'll give you one of those books so that you can kind of stay up to date on all that we're doing around the world. Uh, Second thing I want to let you know about is we have something called the Leadership Gathering that's going to be coming up in January. Uh, It's January 19th and 20th. And so we really kind of extend this open invitation to anybody who's a part of our church to come downstate and to be a part of that leadership gathering. It's a great opportunity to get kind of a 30,000-foot view of what's going on at all eight of our churches. And so if you're interested in that, you can do that, or you can stream it online as well. So if you'd like to just kind of stream online, look at it that way, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. But it's a a really great picture. You get to hear from our founders. uh, You get to hear from a couple of guest speakers. And you get to see a lot of leadership development talks as well. So we would love to invite you. Uh, to be a part of that. And then uh, then again, since Christmas is coming, Christmas is one of the biggest kind of events that we have around here. Really, it is kind of an event. Uh, We'll see just over 50,000 people attend one of our 52 services throughout all of our Kensington churches. We'll have five services here, uh, Saturday night uh, at 5 and 7 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 and 11, and then Sunday, uh, we're doing an 11 p.m. service as well. It's kind of a scaled back candlelit service that we would love for you to be a part of Uh, and to give you a quick glimpse into what those services are going to be like uh, we have a quick video just to show you what that's going to look
2: like so let's watch this together christmas the most wonderful time of the year right wonderful not sure i would always describe it that way shopping busyness your dreaded office christmas party stress getting your house ready for family cramming for finals spending too much money Long hours at the office, year-end number-crunching tension in your relationships. If I'm honest, I have to say that there have been moments in the midst of the craziness around Christmas that I have wondered if life would be easier if Christmas had just never come. Would our lives just be simpler and more peaceful without all the insanity of this season? What if December 25th was just another day? This year, we're going to take you on a journey where we look at a world where Christmas never came. What if Jesus Christ was never born? What would be different? We will look at the impact of the life of Jesus Christ and to how he changed human history. You will be amazed at what we uncover. You won't want to miss Christmas at Kensington this year. The team has been working hard on designing a service with your friends and neighbors in mind. There'll be music, video, drama, lighting, and a beautiful response moment that really captures this idea of not only Jesus not being born, but also gives us moments to celebrate the fact that he was born. Don't miss the laughter, the truth, and the wonder of Christmas. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, grab your tickets as we explore a world in which December 25th is anything but just another day.
0: So yeah, so we would love for you to be a part of this service. The other thing that Cliff was mentioning is... Christmas Eve services are one of those services that people just come out to, whether they're a follower of Jesus or not, whether they attend church or not. This is one of the easiest services to invite somebody to. So we have these cards for you. These cards are not for you, even though we're glad that you have them. In fact, we want to give you as many of these cards as you want. But what we're going to ask you to do is to take these cards and hand them out to people that you would like to invite uh, to one of those Christmas services. And then if you call Kensington Home, the other thing that we're really asking you to do is to come to one of these services and also attend one of these services. Typically, we'll have about four to five times as many people uh, at a two-day period at our services than we do on a typical weekend. And so it takes a lot of volunteers to pull that off. So if you'd be willing to, we're going to ask you to invite, and then we're going to ask you to come one and serve one to those services uh, as well. So Christmas is coming. We'll see you, obviously, uh, this weekend is Saturday or Sunday. Now, the last thing I wanted to let you know about, um, if you call Kensington Home, if you come week in and week out, um, there is a man that's been a part of this community, uh, at our church, and really in Traverse City for a very long time. Uh, and his name is Larry Brink. In fact, if you attend our services, I'll just kind of let you know. At eleven o'clock service, he would sit right over here. Uh, Larry was ninety years old, and uh, he would attend. One of my favorite things about Larry is that he, uh, during the message, would often say "Amen," which I don't get a lot of those. So I was really excited throughout. And uh, and I would tell him, I would talk to, I would talk to Bill as well, and just say, "Hey, that really kind of felt like it spurred me on and into a lot of those talks." Uh, my wife and I loved him so very. much. Much. Uh, we would talk to him outside on Sunday mornings, and uh, just an amazing man. But uh, this past week, he passed away at 90 years old. And and so for our church, this is both bittersweet in some ways. What you may or may not know um, about Larry is Larry was a part of a movement here, uh, even from the 60s on, where he was inviting people into his home, where he was really kind of uh, really spreading the gospel in ways that a lot of people. Don't. And, uh, and he did that from an uh, early, 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 early age, and he was doing that uh, throughout. In fact, if you're here today and you're attending this church, if you're uh, a follower of Jesus in Traverse City, chances are that you have come into contact with somebody whose life was impacted directly. By Larry, And so to Bill, I just want to say uh, we both are saddened, but at the same time, uh, we celebrate with you the life that Larry lived and then just, just so many people that were impacted by him. Personally, I just want you to know that we love him so much and we're going to miss him and, uh, and we're praying for you and your family. And so what I'd love to do is if you uh, if you see Bill and his family today, uh, obviously give them a big hug. Uh, Larry's impact in our community was just so big and we wouldn't want to pass up a moment uh, to honor somebody who gave so much of their life. Uh, away. So, what I want to do is, I want to pray. I want to pray for you guys, and uh, I want to pray that, really, as we're going to talk about over the next few minutes, that every single one of us is able to model the kind of life that Larry lived. Uh, so, let's pray together. Father, we uh, God, we thank you for moments like this because, as followers of you, uh, we know that uh, that death is not the end. Like we believe. Uh, That you've come, and through your redemptive work, we spend eternity with you. And so, Father, in these moments, we're both saddened at the loss of Larry here on earth, but at the same time celebrate the life that he lived here and the thousands and thousands of people that were impacted in Traverse City because of what he did and because of the way that he modeled love to other people, the open-handedness that he carried, uh, and the way that he just served and loved people. God, I know that my wife, Emily, and I, were, just, we're very grateful to have known him for the last year and a half. Um, I'm so grateful that he's been a part of this church and the impact that he has. But God, we just pray comfort for Bill and the family. Uh, we just ask that you would be with them. And, uh, but for all of us, what I pray um, is that even in the grief and even in the sadness, even in the moment when we know that we're going to miss him, Father, I pray that his legacy would live on uh, through the way that we model our lives in some way, uh, the way that he modeled his God, let us live with that kind of reckless abandon. Let us live with that kind of fervency to spread the gospel. And let us live uh, with the kind of legacy that he lived with as being a person who uh, was loving and the person who showed love to so many people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, today, again, we are wrapping up a series called The Heart of Christmas. And I think for us, what we've been exploring over the last few weeks is what it looks like in the chaos and the craziness of Christmas season, what all that is, and how do you peel back the layers to get it? kind of back to what uh what it's all about and so to get us thinking in that direction uh, we're going to sing a few songs before we do that i'd love you to do this i'd love you to go ahead and stand up give three or four people around you a high five ask them this question ask them do you drink eggnog go ahead ask them uh, that question
3: to sing today. Let's all remain standing. We're going to sing grateful. All right, here we go. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For I, my hope, is in your name. Now your joy awaits my praise. All right, sing us out. Here we go. stand You are my God Your faithfulness
1: sound awesome this morning. Uh, This next song we're going to lead you guys in is a familiar Christmas song. So I just encourage you, wherever you're at on your journey, feel free, feel comfortable to sing along with us. song we're going to sing kind of is a response to the song we just sang about, about a king that's coming. And this song's called Reckless Love, and it talks about that love that that king we just sung about came to bring. Let's sing this
0: Thank you so much for singing with us. If this is your first time and you're like, wow, they're really passionate about that song, there's something in that song that I think uh, makes us so passionate about it. And it's the idea that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, no matter any of those things, that there is a God of the universe who is recklessly pursuing our hearts and is not dependent on us. He just is. So thank you so much for singing that with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. Um, today what we're doing is uh, we are wrapping up, as I said earlier, this series called uh, The Heart of Christmas. And what we've been talking about is kind of like peeling back the layers of what Christmas is actually all about. And as we've been looking at this, we've been hearing these stories of uh, extraordinary people all over the world who would, you know, be a part of Kensington, would call Kensington home, uh, going to other parts of the world. We're kind of looking and seeing like where your giving actually goes. Uh, We've reached uh, a little over half a million people uh, in several different countries all over the place. And all those things happen because you give. And so we wanted to give you some of these stories about what's happening all over the world because of your partnership uh, with us and really seeing how God is changing the hearts and the lives of people uh, all over. So, we got a a video that we want to show you, and this is from uh, India. So we sent Cliff Johnson, who's our lead pastor from our Birmingham campus, uh, over to India to interview some people about what they're doing there with one of our partnerships and how they're helping their communities in that area. And as you're watching this, my hope for you is that you can kind of see, again, if you're partnering with us, uh, just where your dollars and cents go to create these irresistible environments both here but
4: also really make a significant impact on the other side of the world as well. So let's watch this video together. When I landed in India in the year 2000, nothing prepared me for what I was to see. The overwhelming crush of people, the unbelievable needs apparent visually everywhere. And my first and instant response was a feeling of hopelessness. Like what could anybody do to overcome the needs that are so present here? And then I began to see what Jaya and the team at Christ's Evangelical Mission have been doing for decades. You know, we've helped them plant 500 churches we've been a part of beautiful ministries of caring for orphans and for the homeless and in recent years the compassion ministry of bringing in old people who had basically been left to die to come and live in what they would consider paradise it's a picture of love overwhelming hopelessness and as I invite you to give to Kensington here to make a year end Christmas gift here's what I want you to know this would not be possible without your participation. This is your story. When we give, when we give sacrificially, when we intentionally say, we're going to invest our lives in something that breaks the walls of hopelessness down. This is one of those things that changes everything. A few years ago, I got to go back and see again of what our giving does. Our giving is changing the world. Not just one person at a time, not just one child at a time, But one old person at a time, old people who consider themselves as having no value, now know that in Jesus Christ, they're of infinite worth. I want to thank you again, because with you, we get to share Christ's love with the world. And we know that Christ's love changes everything.
5: Most populated country in the world. It's home to more than 1.3 billion people. With an average income of only $616 a year, many people live in poverty. Facing a growing income inequality gap are little to no opportunity. Families often find children and the elderly as too much of a burden to care for. Abandoned and on the streets, They won't survive unless someone intervenes. At the center of all Indian culture is Hinduism, the world's oldest religion. With over one billion practicing Hindus and a rigid four-tier caste system, religion is inseparable from all aspects of daily life in India.
6: There are many gods. There are 30 million gods. So people have their own choices to choose their own god. Whatever god I like, I buy from Walmart and keep it. If I don't want, I throw away that god, go to Walmart, get a new god.
2: So how does one improve their status
6: in Hinduism? There is a belief that they go to a temple then they offer some money, and they think their bad karma gone; their sins are forgiven. Mostly Hinduism believe in karma, so whatever the situ- a person facing and experiencing, their poverty, malnutrition, maybe physical infirmity, they think we have a bad karma. We have to experience that. There is no remedy for that. We have to face it because. You did bad karma in your previous life or this life.
5: Jaya Sankar is the leader of Christ the Evangelical Mission in the city of Dalaswarm. Known as CEM, his ministry is addressing a multitude of needs in the community by housing over 300 orphans, constructing and running a hospital, and operating a primary school, among others. One of CEM's fastest-growing ministries is the Agape Home, a care facility for the elderly. Along with Naveen Kamari, Jaya is working to get Dallas Farms' elderly community off the streets and cared for.
7: Many places in India, children are abounded and elderly people are abounded. And some people don't have food, don't have clothes.
2: Naveen, when these these older people are put out on the streets, what do you think they're feeling?
7: So they feel um, very... Sadly, we are just a a dust in our relatives' eyesight. There is no more future. Some people go to suicide also.
6: It's a very heartbreaking, terrible situation. They spent all their life to bring up their children for their welfare. They pour out all their life. But the children grown up, they forget what their parents did for them. Just kick their parents away from from their house. Just out on the street, you're on your own. Yes. Sometimes, maybe a son will take the mother on the car or the bus somewhere. Mom, sit here, I'll come back. He never show up. And sometimes, the children lock their house. Mom, you sit here, just when we come back. They go to somewhere. Maybe two weeks, three weeks. They may not come to open the door. But she does, he does. Just sitting in front of the locked door, having nothing to eat. Terrible life.
5: Hearing stories of how the elderly of India can be thrown out on the streets by their own families and left to fend for themselves is truly disturbing. But thankfully there is hope. There are people like Jaya, Naveen, and a whole group of others that are being the hands and feet of Jesus to the elderly community in Dallas. So you actually go out and look for people that have
2: been abandoned on the streets and you bring them right then in their home? Yes. So why do you guys do that?
7: Why, why do you feel compelled to love that group? So in Matthew 25, Jesus says, When i sick, you came. When i uh, hungry, you came. When i thirsty, you came. Yes. Uh, if we do that, it will be glory to Jesus. So you believe, you're doing it because you believe that's what Jesus would do? Yes. When we bring them to home, the so more loving person is here. His name is Jesus. He loves you do not abandon you like your family.
5: The agape home is quite a contrast from the busy streets of India. Here, the residents are cared for and loved. The term agape is a Greek word meaning unconditional or sacrificial love.
7: The old people cannot give anything to uh, who cares for them. So it's like uh, Jesus loves everyone, but he does not uh, uh, think about what he what they give back. So he only put on his life with sacrificial love. So that's why Agape is only giving, not expect anything from them.
6: We not only speak but we show our love and action. This is talking and with deeds helping the people. Uh-huh. Here you
5: go.
6: you're little. This is great. Here
5: there you go. Anytime I help Aangy, No. I'll ask that Kosh she if I can
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter Deepthi's connection to going over there and her heart for those people
6: and she's grown up maybe around eight nine years old she independently visited the agape home and sit with them talking them what's your what's your name how is your health are you okay today Uh, do you have any need some people say yeah, I don't have past. You don't have past? Okay, wait. When I ask her, why deity you are doing all these things? Daddy, when I see these elderly people, I don't know. I'm getting some kind of compassion. I don't know why. I think that God is preparing a second line leaders to look after that. Elderly
7: home when I came here God opened the more doors and more places to serve him uh, in the children in the elder people in the community so all these things I'm doing for the God's glory because he gave me a life to me So he filled my he filled my heart with uh, his grace and love. Jesus command two main commandments love God and love people. So through the CEM it will be done.
5: to find it. Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the writings of John, we discover that God showed his love for us by giving his one and only son, and by this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us as we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's clear that the kind of love God is calling us to is agape love, sacrificial love, love without expectation, the highest form of love. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another. True love costs us something. Just like our friends Jaya, Naveen, and Deepthi have shown us, love's greatest concern is always someone else. Jesus tells us that the way people will know that we are his followers is by how we love each other. So let's follow in the footsteps of both Jesus and our friends in India and truly learn to love our neighbor.
0: my favorite things about our church uh in particular is that we look globally we look all over the world and we look as a group of people to inject ourselves into communities where there's brokenness and to inject ourselves into places where there's people who are struggling and we look to do that to help other people experience the kind of life that ultimately god has called them to live now, if you attend Kensington, if you volunteer at Kensington, if you give at Kensington, if you call this place home, if you are actively partnering with us and engaging in what we're doing, here's what I would say to you, is that stories like that that you just heard are made possible because of people just like you, ordinary people just like you, who live beyond themselves, who, who look for a vision that is bigger than themselves, and they go after those kinds of things. You heard about Sudan last week. You heard about India this week. You see what we do here in Traverse City. But what I'd say to you and what I've been saying over the last several weeks is when it comes to all of these things, they're all made possible because of people like you. And they're all made possible because of people like you who go above and beyond and sacrificially give and sacrificially make these things happen. We've, uh, we've been able to reach a little over half a million people in the last year globally because of you. Right? We've been able to plant over a thousand churches globally. Because of you. And so, what I've been asking you to do over the last few weeks is to really think about and consider as a family, if you call this place home, what would it look like for you to give, but not just give? What would it look like for you to give in a way where you felt it, where you actually sacrificed something and gave more to be a part of that? And that's not because we just need your money. In fact, we even said this over and over again, and I would say it again you don't even have to give it to us. I think you should give it to a church, but even if you don't give it to a church, what would it look like for you to sacrificially? Give at the end of the year to look back on this past year and to do that. Uh, and so we've been talking about that over the last several weeks. I'll tell you this. And this is one of my favorite kind of stories. tell: is as a church already over the last several weeks, you have given above and beyond in extraordinary ways. and I want to say thanks so much for partnering with us. In those ways. But here's what I would tell you is I believe that a lot of you are still giving as we move towards the end of the year. Uh, and I want to say thank you so much for considering that and to think about that so that we can partner together to see more of these kinds of stories happen globally and more of these kinds of stories happen locally. So I want to invite our ushers to move forward, and uh, we're going to go ahead and receive our offering. This is for those of you who call Kensington home, or it's for those of you who are like, you know what, I'm, this is not home, and I'm not even a follower of Jesus, but I want to give to something beyond me, and this sounds like a good option, right? That's okay, too. Uh, we would love to invite you to do that. Um, so I'll tell you, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can give in the, in the, in the pouches that are moving forward, uh, but you could uh, you can also give online on our app, website, or text. So those are the easiest ways to do it. it. takes you about 15 seconds to give that way. Uh, my wife and I, that's, you know, that's how we give. We give online. That's probably the easiest ways uh, to do that. You can give your year-end gift that way or your consistent giving that way as well. And again, we just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for partnering with us so that we can continue to see those kinds of things happen. Now... Today, we're going to really piggyback off of what we just watched and talk about a phrase that most of us have used pretty consistently throughout our lives, most of us have heard throughout our lives over and over and over again, and the phrase that we've heard, before I show you this, the phrase that we've heard, every time I you know, see the phrase, I know this sounds bad, all morning I've been singing a song in my head, it's a children's song, and we'll tell you that in a second, but the, the song is this, or the, the phrase is this, I love you. Now, I see this phrase written and for some reason only think about Barney, I'm not sure why, right? But that's just kind of what happens in my brain, Uh, and it's, you know, now you're going to be thinking about it all day. You're welcome. Um, So, uh, but this uh, phrase, I love you, is a fascinating phrase that we use all the time. So let me ask you a quick question. Let's just kind of all take an inventory. How many of you remember the first person that you said, I love you to, in like a romantic kind of way? Anybody remember the first person you said, I love you to? Are you sitting next to them? No, now I just made it weird. Sorry, right? right. So for me, this was like, I was a freshman year of high school. Uh, There was this girl, we were, you know, going out at the time. I was broke, so we didn't go anywhere, but we were going out. And we went out for several months. uh, And several months into our relationship, I looked at her, you know, like looked her in the eyes, had one of these moments. And I was like, I love you, you know, as a freshman in high school. And then she did this thing that girls do. I don't know why you do it, but you Like that sort of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Does this help you get air? I'm not sure. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that happens. And so she did that. And, and, you know, I told her I loved her. And then three weeks later, I broke up with her. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I I worked for a dad. Um, And so... Uh, that made it more fun. Now, what I did was he was a singles ministry pastor and I was the worship leader for the singles ministry as a freshman in high school. And so uh, he had a lot of experience in this area working with singles. And so after one of our services, the week after we broke up or I broke up with her, uh, he said, Hey, can we talk for a second? And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. I think I'm good. You know, like pass, you know, let's, let's not do that. And, um, but, but we did. And he said, Hey, I think you need to be really careful when you say, I love you. And I'm like, are you going to kill me? You know, like I was a little bit nervous. And he goes, the reason is because, you know, you love my daughter, but you know, you also love hot dogs. And that is true. I actually, in fact, love hot dogs. I love hot dogs, right? There's hot dogs that I love. I also love the Atlanta Braves. I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. I have a signed autographed World Series baseball on my desk from Greg Maddux. If you like baseball, you know what that means. I'm a big fan. I love the Braves. I also love New Balance shoes. I'm a simple person, right? I'm not wearing them now, which kind of defeats the purpose. For about nine years, this is the only shoe that I wore, right? Like, I would wear it day in and day out, and I would just change the colors up every time I bought it. Once a year, I love this style of New Balance shoes. And then I also love my favorite TV show is Psych. Do we have any Psych fans in Pineapples. It's great. All right. So I love psych. I'm a big psych fan, right? I love it. Particularly Gus. I just love psych. Now, here's what's interesting is we would say, I love all of these things. And we would use the exact same word that we would use for me saying, I love my wife. And it's different, right? I love my son but it's different. And so here's a question for you. I need to take a big, deep breath. Everybody take a big, deep breath. This is participatory over the next few minutes. I want you to shout out some things that you love. Let's hear it, some things that you love. Go for it. Hold on, you said running? Running. We're all judging you. I just want you to know that. I don't know why I put an S on it, but can we do that? Runnings, that's great. Somebody else, back in the back. What do you like? You love your family, that's a good answer. Are you sitting with your family? You want a PlayStation for Christmas, don't? I'm just kidding. That's awesome. No, I love it, man. That's great. That's great. I love my family. That's so good. Somebody else. What do we love? Coffee. 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 All right? We all love coffee. That's spell that right? Yes. Coffee' is a great one. Somebody else. Music. music. We love music. That's a good one. What kind of music? Who's your favorite band? Yeah, you, you have a favorite band? Several. You said Bill Ray Cyrus, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no I'm kidding I'm kidding no that's good what else do we like what else do we, or love what else do we love dog yes we do dogs that's great we love dogs great what else we love we do not love cats no we do not I'm just kidding where are my cat people at leave go I'm just kidding so literally first service, I didn't write cats, I wrote demons. Uh, but for you guys and you guys alone, here we go. We're putting cats. You guys can give it up for yourselves for cats, right? Yeah. Where my dog people at? And now we know who the Christians are. Just kidding, all right. I'm teasing. All right, somebody else, <laughs> somebody else. What else do we love? Right here, bud, what do you, what do you love? Popcorn. Popcorn? You said popcorn, popcorn's good. what did you say, buddy? Said, Mom. Mom. Yeah, you do. That's really good. I'm going to underline. That's good. All right, somebody else. A couple more. What else do we love? Co- coffee. Yeah, we do love coffee. What Chips? Doritos? Are we talking Doritos? Lay's chips. Agreed. Unless you're on a road trip, then it turns out bad. Just kidding. All right. Somebody else. Two more. Two more. Movies. movies. We do love movies. What's your favorite movie, Steffi? Pride and prejudice, and all the men said, no, I'm just kidding, no, that's great. Pride and prejudice, that's good. All right, two more, two more, are we done? Vacation Vacation and... (laughs) The passion by which you said chocolate is the highlight. That's so true. All right, let's do chocolate, and we'll wrap up with... I used to chocolate. Chocolate. All right, so we love these things. Now, this is what's so fascinating about, like, the English language. We use the exact same word for chocolate as we do saying we love our kids, right? That's just how that works. In fact, we can say it this way, that our word love represents many different meanings. It just does. Right? Our love for word represents many different meanings, but that's not true throughout history, right? The idea of the way that we love the ways that we talk about the way we love. In other cultures and, you know, other time periods, there were actually multiple words that you would use for love. And the New Testament is written in Greek. Uh, And so in Greek, there's actually four kind of ways that we'll talk about love today, four Greek words. And so I want to show you these. You'll see like the transliterated version, the Greek, and then you'll see what it means, right? And so this one, when we talk about philia, this is like the friendship kind of love. Like this is bro. This is hashtag BFF. This is like my friend. Friendship kind of love. And then there's another uh, word that we talk about. This is storge, right? And this is family love. Now, what's interesting about the New Testament is oftentimes in the New Testament, these two will actually be combined to talk about friendship and family kind of in one big compound word, which is always sort of fascinating. So you have like friendship love. Hello, sixth grade. You have family love. And then you have this one, eros. This is erotic love, right? This is the kind of love you don't talk about in front of your parents. Like this is, this is the erotic side, this is the sexual kind of side of love. They differentiate between this, between that friendship and family. But then there's the word for love that we're going to spend the most time talking about today. And the word is agape or agape in the way that a lot of people say it. This is that unconditional love. This would be a word that you would not use to describe cats, right? This is the way... Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, right? This is just the way that we would talk about it, right? Agape or agape is this like unconditional, self-sacrificing kind of love. Now, if you read your Bible, you open up your Bible, you see the word love pop up a lot. You see the word love pop up a lot in the New Testament, a lot too. When you read it, we don't often differentiate because of the English language, the different types of love that it's talking about. But this agape, this agape kind of love is actually found in some of the most important passages of the New Testament. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus over the next few minutes, you're not going to disagree with most of what I say, right? In fact, what you're going to do is you're going to sit there and go, well, if every Christian did it that way, then I wouldn't be so angry at every Christian, you know, which I get, right? And if you're here and it's your first time or somebody like promised you lunch afterwards and you're here for the free lunch, I would do the exact same thing. But I want to tell you this, that over the next few minutes, you're going to agree with me, but then there's going to be this whole other subcategory where you're going, I don't feel like a lot of Christians do that. And so I'm going to say right off the bat, before we even jump into the text, I agree. In fact, like you, I watch the news and I have stuff that pops up on my phone that tells me what's going on in the world. And I followed Twitter and I'm, you know, doing all that sort of stuff. And the word evangelical pops up all over the place. He's an evangelical. She's an evangelical. This, this, this. In fact, evangelical has almost got this whole category of people They get ties to things that are going on in, like, Alabama, and you're like, well, if that's it, then I'm out. And I'm like, me too. And I'm like a professional Christian, right? Because over the next few minutes, what we're going to discover together, no, no one says, what we're going to discover together is that Jesus' way of teaching and Jesus' vision for what the world should be like is different than a lot of what we experience in the label of people who call themselves Christians, call themselves evangelical, or get on the news and say certain things that make you want to pull your hair out because I want to pull my hair out and their hair out. And I want to look at them like in a loving Christ-like sort of way. It's, I'm just like, call yourself something different. Believe the same thing as me when it comes to Jesus, the Son of God. Just call yourself something different. Because what you're doing in the way that you're living is not the way that Jesus Taught, and if you're a follower of Jesus and you're in the room, I promise in the next few minutes, I'm going to offend most of us at some point, including myself. What Jesus teaches is very different in the way that sometimes we live. So we're looking at uh, an area of the Bible called John. Uh, And what John writes about is some of these narratives that are connected to Jesus' life. He captures some of the quotes that Jesus has uh, and some of the conversations that Jesus has. And it's so important, I think, what he captured. So let's look at this together. This is John chapter 15, verse 12. This is Jesus talking to some of his closest followers, right? People that have been following him for a couple of years. People who have seen him do miracles. People who who have seen Jesus do amazing, amazing things. Jesus says this, My command, not my suggestion... My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, which begs the question, which one are we talking about? Are we talking about BFF love? Are we talking about erotic love? Are we talking about family love? Or are we talking about agape love? Jesus is saying, look, my command, if you're going to be a follower of me, is that you would agape each other as I have be to you. Love each other unconditionally, selflessly, sacrificially, as I have loved you. Goes on, and he says, "This greater love, again with this agape idea, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends." Which, like, this is where we pause and go. So, when you hear people talk about Christianity and Christians, do you sense this posture? And what oftentimes you hear in that evangelical subcategory of people that are this, you know. Jesus is going, look, it's not just I love you. It's not just hugs. It's not just saying the right thing. It is taking a posture of being willing to lay down your life. And what he's doing is pointing to what he is going to do. That Jesus will lay down his life on behalf of humanity. And he goes on and he talks about some of this and he talks about some of the angst and he talks about how we're to live in our world and he wraps up in kind of this section by saying this this is my command love each other agape each other i love this i'm not sure which of those fit there brotherly whatever i love those because jesus kind of turns the whole thing on its head and says look You are to walk into your world and live in your world as a follower of me. Loving other people unconditionally. Laying down your preferences, laying down your angst, laying down your, you know, everything about that sort of thing. And laying it down and saying, I am loving you on behalf of you. I am for you to the point that it costs me something. Now, if you grew up in church and you grew up in vacation Bible school and if you, you know, been around church for a while, even if you haven't, you've probably heard one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. And it's famous because it talks about the salvific work of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives and our brokenness. It highlights that we need a Savior. There's an emphasis on this verse that sometimes causes us to miss the first half of what this verse actually said. And the verse is John chapter 3. Again, John is the writer, and it says this, For God so loved the world. Now, some of you have already finished it in your head. I wanted want to like pause through this. For God so agape the world, unconditionally loved the people of the world. To the point of sacrificing, handing over, coming at it open-handedly. For God so loved the world, and then there's the action that he gave. Now, I grew up in a context where we emphasize the second half of this right? The second half of this says this, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I sat in a gym at one time at a church and they read the verse and they said, if you don't believe this and you're going to hell and hell is this and it's hot and you don't want to be hot. And we lived in the South, so we knew what that meant. And it was crazy. I don't want to go to hell and burn. So pray this prayer and believe this. Now, I believe that eternal life is real. And I believe that The presence of God in eternal life is so real and I also believe there's a separation if you don't accept Jesus as your savior but the emphasis of this verse and simply placing it on eternal life causes us to miss the fact that the God of the universe don't miss this modeled for us the way we are to exist in the world by talking about what he gave he came Pursuing our hearts, as we talked about earlier, recklessly loving us. That he gave his one and only son. with a love that caused him to experience a cost. There's another area of the Bible, and it's 1 John 3.16, which a lot of us don't talk about as much. Because it's uncomfortable when you look at what the text actually says. It says this. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, which we can be comfortable with that. But the second part of this is the angst. It says this, and therefore we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That if you want to know what true love looks like, it's the kind of love that says it's going to cost you something, and in that moment when it's going to cost you something, are you willing to pay? Are you willing to to live within humanity? to live in the context of our world and as a follower of Jesus say, even if it costs me something, I'm willing to give it. Why? Because that is what was modeled for me by the God of the universe. That if I'm going to exist in the world the way that Jesus has called me to exist in the world, then I don't exist in the world doing this to every person that disagrees with me. And if I am to exist in the world in the way that God has called me to exist in the world, then it causes me to find moments of inclusion of people. Arms open wide and saying, look, there is a way to live that is better than the way that you're living. I think the local church becomes irresistible when the people of the local church embrace this concept so much that they sacrificially love and give and go beyond on behalf of people who aren't anything like them. I hope that every person who adamantly disagrees with our theology in Traverse City points to us and goes, I don't believe what they believe. I don't like that they believe what they believe. But there is something about that group of people that is irresistible. And what that is, is when, when the followers of Jesus say, we're putting aside all the other you know, stuff, and we're saying we're going to live our lives with this kind of agape love for all people in our city. One of my favorite things to do, and it's always awkward for the other people, but I add people that are atheists all the time on, you know, like Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, just to keep up with what people are saying. I'll jump on message board sites and just, like, read about it and engage in a discussion. And I find over and, over and 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 over again the barrier between so many people and God is isn't even theology. It's people who call themselves Christians, but don't live the way that Jesus taught. Which again, if you're going to do that, just call yourself something different. Call yourself, sorry, I'll make a cat joke. I'm not going to make another cat joke. You're like, wow, he's passionate. I am kind of passionate about it. And the reason I'm passionate about it Because I want to see every single one of those barriers broken. And if you're here, you have that barrier. I don't want you to feel that. I want you to experience people who are real and authentic and live in the world the way that Jesus called us to live in the world. That only happens when the people who say that they are the people of God are living the way that God modeled for them to live. Say it this way, the choosing to love the way that Jesus calls us to love, will eventually cost you something. And I love this part of it, that you will not get back, at least in this lifetime. And sometimes loving other people will will pull something out of you, require something of you. It'll cost you something that you won't get back. But it's at that intersection and that crossroads that we discover that if we choose to follow Jesus, we experience the kind of life that so many other people Never will. So, the bottom line for this week, we typically try to leave you with a bottom line. is a bottom line that I think so many of us should just like keep in front of us. Like you need to put it on your background for your cell phone or you need to, you know, put it somewhere by your laptop when you're tempted to post on Facebook, right? You know, or you, you, know, you need to put it on your mirror somewhere where you're just reminded of this. Because you can pray, you can call yourself a follower of Jesus, you can know more theology than anybody you've ever met. You can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't get this right, you will not be a part, I don't believe, bring about that great commission in the world that Jesus has called us to do. So I want this at the forefront of your minds, and that is this. The value of love is demonstrated when we sacrifice oftentimes what we value. We're willing to follow our creator. When we're willing to follow Jesus and be living so open-handedly. We say, even though it might cost me something, I'm going to give it. So that's what was modeled for me. So, uh, to wrap up our time, uh, the band's going to sing a song in a second. But here's what I want for you, right? If are someone in the room and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to like, kind of dive deep just for a hot second and just ask yourself this question Am I not a follower of Jesus? Because I've wrestled through Jesus' teachings and disagree with what Jesus says. that I don't want to live my life the way that Jesus taught because I disagree with what Jesus said. Or, now come on, here's the real honest part. Or because my experience with people who call themselves Christians has created such a barrier that I have just chosen not to engage. And if you've chosen not to engage, I'm just going to tell you this. Don't let everybody in this category get in the way of you experiencing the kind of life that we believe that God wants you to live because you're just... Let other people dictate that. Put all that away. You can point, you can laugh, you can be angry about it, and you can join me in every bit of it. But Do not miss what Jesus said and what Jesus taught and what Jesus says about your life and experiencing the kind of life that I want you to live. And if you're a of Jesus in the room, and I know I'm kind of being blunt, but here's what I'm going to tell you. That you have to embrace the unconditional love that Jesus teaches. That you have to be willing to dive in deep with people who disagree with you and see the world differently than you. You have to love people so well that whether they agree with you or do not agree with you, that you are not coming off like this person. But you are irresistible as Jesus was often irresistible to people who thought nothing like him, but love them so well. I'm gonna pray for you and we sing a song together. Let's pray. Father, there's uh, a... <laughs> There's a lot that's in that 20-minute talk. but As a church, I ask, as a community of people who are united in faith, as a group of people who want to see the world change, as a group of people who want to see Traverse City change, I ask that you would do something inside of us that causes us to see our world differently to people who disagree with us differently and to engage and to love them to be the kind of people that walk into the restaurant and the servers are glad that we showed up. Be the kind of people who walk into our work and people engage with us in a different way. And we have influence in a different way, not because of our competency, not because of how intelligent we are, but because of the way that we love people. And I pray that every stereotype that's placed on us, we would cast off, not with our words, but by the way that we lived. God, I pray for every person in this room who is not a follower of you and they're just kind of scratching the surface. They may be interested, but they're not really there yet. God, I pray that you would help them just engage with what you said and who you were and what you did on their behalf before they set aside everything else. Because guys other people. God, as we enter into the Christmas season, remind us that you loved us so much. You sent a baby to this planet who would become a man and who would die on a cross on our behalf. And in that self-sacrificing kind of love that we may be made right with you and have a relationship with you. These next few moments, continue to remind us of that and shape our hearts into the men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: For. Bro
0: All right, so here's my prayer for you, right? And this is what I've been praying all week, um, is that when we leave here today, and we might take this idea and we would apply it like today, right? In the next few hours. So some of you are going to lunch. Here's my challenge to you as you go to lunch. Be the best person at Outback or Blue Tractor that you can possibly be, the highlight of the day when you go out. Some of you have in-laws in town. We'll just pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so you want to, right? You want to be that for people. Some of you have friends coming over. Some of you want to Christmas parties for your work this week. Be those kinds of people and find ways to sacrificially love others this coming week. I hope you apply that now this week. I uh, also want to let you know, uh, one thing that I missed earlier, and this is on me, uh, is we talk about Christmas around here a lot. Again, we have so many people that are going to be coming through our doors. We want to make sure that we're ready for you. And a lot of you have already done the Christmas ticket thing. Uh, again, it's a free thing. It's not really even a ticket. It's more of an RSVP, but it helps us to be ready for you when you get here. If you have not done that, right, uh, we would just ask if you would to please do that by uh, today or Monday, right, Monday, maybe at the latest, just let us know you're coming, uh, we know right now that one of our, at least one of our services, possibly two of our services are going to fill up, uh, and so we do kind of look at that as you come in, just to make sure that we have the seats available uh, for you, because the fire marshal, apparently that's a thing, right? So we, right? Bill. Yeah, Bill is actually one of the fire people. So it's great. So just make sure that you do that if you would, just so we can come uh, and be ready for you. Last thing, if it's your first time, we'd love to connect with you. We have an environment called Starting Point right out of the lobby. Uh, we'd love to meet you out there to get to know you a little bit. Uh, again, thanks so much for being here. Come one, serve one next week, and we'll see you on Saturday or Sunday. See ya. And thank you so much for watching online. Again, you are part of a growing community here uh, that is really engaging with this content through social media. And so we're just so glad that you're here, so glad that you're watching, so glad that you're joining us on our website. Uh, but we'd love to see you live. And so, again, uh, this Saturday, we have services at 5 and 7. Sunday, we're at 9 and 11, and then 11 p.m. service if you'd like to come to that as well. We would love to connect with you uh, at one of those places live. Or if not, you can always watch online and continue to connect in that way. If you have any questions, don't forget to read Reach out. You can do that at And again, uh, this Sunday, we'll be streaming our services live so we can connect with you there. Thanks so much, and we'll see you soon.